Okay, so let's let's continue in in the book of John. Um, we are in chapter ten now. We're kind of moving along here. Uh, chapter ten. We're going to try to cover verses one through twenty-one. <clears throat> now, as far as I can tell, in this, this seems to be not not a, a new situation, but actually probably the same conversation going on from what happened in chapter nine. Um, I could be wrong on that, but that does appear to be the way it looks. But after the after the debacle that the Jews basically had with this man who was born blind, uh, where these essentially spiritually dead people are just just trying to railroad this poor guy because he's been healed. Um, they're nasty to him. They're nasty to his parents. Uh, and so after all of this, it seems that Jesus is going right to the Pharisees in this conversation, and he's comparing himself with the religious leaders, which would be them, and and to and to in uh, comparing them as lesser shepherds. Uh, so this would be also a comparison to church pastors, uh, church leaders as well. Um, this is something for us as well. But it's directly being aimed at these religious leaders for the Jews at this time. Um, it was common back then, it's common now, to call people who lead congregations, who lead, uh, who lead religions as shepherds. But Jesus is telling us right away here, not everyone is a true shepherd. Not everyone in the fold is actually trying to lead correctly. Uh, some people have gained entry into the fold, according to Jesus, with other methods. So let's read what he says here in verses 1 through 6, where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his, sheep, his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all of his sheep outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus told them this figure of speech, but they did not understand the things he was saying to them, uh, what the things he was saying to them meant. So, he's telling these people, though they're not getting it yet, that you are like this shepherd who the sheep do not understand. They don't really know your voice. And he's telling them because these people have gotten into these positions, likely through various methods, but some of them could be personal connections, education, or where, what family they were born into. Uh, maybe some of them had a drive to get into a corrupt organization such as this. Uh, for us nowadays, there's just it, the methods are almost the same, but some people, for instance, you can have somebody who goes to seminary, gets all the accolades, gets all the papers and things that they need, and they cannot be a Christian. There are plenty of people who have done it and will openly say that they don't really believe it. So 
degrees and things like that, where, what family you were born into, these don't necessarily make somebody a shepherd. So Jesus is telling us that the true shepherd operates out of love, out of a calling, for care, out of, out of a sacrificial service. You know, the, the shepherd is supposed to be the least of the bunch. But mostly, the biggest uh, factor here is that they operate from faith in Christ. That last one is, is the biggest qualifier, obviously, and all fruits and buds flow from that. And Christ says that people who do not enter, we can see here that people who do not enter the fold through him, he's being pretty blunt here. He's saying that they are a thief or a robber. So the interests of a teacher should be Christ and then his people. So it, we don't have room for the, the ones that have ambition to become somebody uh, for a convenient life. Uh, for promotion of your family name. And lastly, of course, there's money. A lot of people do it for money. We see that a lot of the times. Every time you get pulled over to something like that, as a teacher, you become a thief and a robber, essentially, is what Christ is saying. So, these verses, uh, they, they cause me severe, <laughs> severe analysis of myself. Um, because... I don't ever want to be accused of being a thief or a robber. Um, and I think that, uh, at least for me, if I ever get to the point where this, these verses don't worry me, then maybe I've become one. So, um, there's nothing wrong with a little self-analysis, I, I think. <clears throat> Alright, so, I would just want to add as well, though, uh, these qualifications, they also go... There's a lot of leaders in a church. Uh, the pastor is not is not the only leader in a church, if we were to call him the leader. Um, there's board members. There are elders. Some churches have deacons, uh, Sunday school teachers. All these things, these are all people who are shepherding in some form or another. And so these standards apply to all of us. Uh, the calling that we have should be from the Holy Spirit. If it's not, then then we're in the wrong place. Uh, and you'll know that because there should be, as somebody is shepherding, uh, they should see that people are responding correctly, uh, that people people are getting something from what you're doing, and I hope that's the case here. Uh, but Christ also says that, specifically with him, that the sheep know, they know the voice of that of him who is calling them and that he leads them out. This is a personal relationship that Christ is saying, because he knows you by name. So the question then ends up becoming, do you feel like you have a personal relationship with Christ? Or is he just some distant idea um, who you've given allegiance to, but you don't feel like you know him? And I would just say that the easiest way to get past that is to just talk with him. Talk with him as much as you want and as much as you can. Uh, that is the easiest way. And that and staying in His Word. That's another way that Christ speaks with us. So let's go on to our, some additional verses here. Uh, ten, uh, 7 through 10 here. Christ is going to expand on this a little bit more. He says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All those who came before me as thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. So again, Christ is pretty blunt on what he's saying of false teachers. Of what he's saying of these Jewish leaders. Because he's calling them thieves and robbers. And when that is explained out further, he says that they are basically, they are performing trickery on people. And when I think of robbers, I definitely think of violence and destruction. There's nothing good about robbing. So bad shepherds are a serious topic. We see this, uh, I believe when we covered Galatians, we saw a lot of that. And Jesus is giving them serious names to go with them. Um, Thieves and robbers, these people, these false shepherds, they're basically conmen and muggers of the spiritual world. Okay? And they will mess up your foundation if you let them. They will mess up your destination if you let them. Jesus is... He's saying that, that his sheep are not going to listen, but that doesn't stop you from hearing what these people have to say. You, got, you have a choice. You can decide to follow somebody if you want. So those, those in the Lord's care, we, we submit to his word, and we won't fall for the trash that these false teachers put out there. Uh, and in all aspects of our daily life, Christ is saying that we're going to find pasture because of that will have rest in the salvation that He provides. So we can breathe easy during the stresses of life because we're all going to have it. That's essentially the walking through the valley of the shadow of death and not fearing evil. You don't have to have the stress on you if you don't want it. Now, these things are different for the sheep now. What I mean by that is you're, all, you're always a, a type of sheep in some way or form, and we don't like to hear that. But when you've become a sheep with Christ, you find stuff that you, you find that your life was lacking in ways that you never knew it was. That's why Christ tells us here that you're going to ha- not just have life, but you're going to have it abundantly. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be guaranteed a long life. A lot of people don't have a long life. He's not speaking of your life doesn't mean that you're always going to have comfort. It's not a call to be to have everything that the world offers, but it's that you're going to be happy and not just happy, you're going to be content. You're going to be satisfied with putting all of your eggs in one basket essentially, and that basket is Christ. So all that into that relationship with Christ and then everything trickles down from there. And people are going to notice this. If they haven't already in your life, they will. And that's why people will come to you and they will ask you for prayer and things of that sort because they see what Christ has done for you and they want it too, but they also see you as a resource. So people will notice it. They will yearn for it. And in all of this, we just have to make sure that we're giving honor to Christ, not to ourselves, so that we don't slip down this path of what these Pharisees had done. Okay, we're going to cover our last set of verses here and talk about a couple things in this. Um, It's 11 through 21. So 
So Christ says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is, who is uh, not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters the flock. He flees because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it away from me but I lay it down on my own. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back. This commandment I received from my father. Dissension occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying these are not the words of one who is demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of those who are blind, can he? And I think that last verse there shows that we are still in the conversation from chapter 9. So Jesus says that he is the good shepherd here. He leaves no mysteries in the text here. And that is very counter to the world philosophies that we hear today. There are people who say that they are Christian, who will say that Christ is not the only way, that the Buddhist, that the, that the person in Islam, that these people have the same path to salvation. Christ is saying he's the good shepherd. And he explains it quite well in here in a second here. We'll, we'll see. But Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. He doesn't say a good shepherd. And that should be a good sign for us that there's only one. So the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. And he says this because a lesser shepherd would falter. He's making a comparison because back then... A lot of times they would have shepherds that would they would essentially just pay to watch the sheep, and they weren't yours. If a, if a wolf came and you were say a, I don't know, say a young kid watching a flock of sheep, there's a good chance you're going to turn and run. They're not yours. You're not as vested in them. But this is the same thing that goes with us. As shepherds, as leaders in a church, we do have an obligation to take care of people. We do have an obligation to defend people. We see extremes in other countries that we don't often see here. Like say, for instance, in a lot of the African countries, we will see where an opposing tribe of a differing religion will come in and they will slaughter a Christian church. We do see stuff like that that happens. In our country, we may not see stuff like that, but we do hear of church shootings. We do hear of things of that nature. This is where the leaders of churches and all Christian brothers and sisters, essentially, uh, this is where the you know you could get to that point where do I give my life for somebody? Do I really live my faith out fully? You know, we pray that we never have a situation like that, but they happen. But this is talk. That's why he talks so much of being a good shepherd. So. Christ is our shepherd, and it's important that we keep that in our front vision. Because since creation, it would seem that he has done everything possible for us. 
He tells us in many scriptures that because He lives, we live when we have faith in Him. He mediates to the Father for us. We don't have to go to some, some man to confess our sins. We can go straight to God because Christ is mediating for us. Even though we are fallen people, He still does this for us. We don't have to have an institution, essentially. So, Jesus saw the wolves that were all around these Jewish people at this time. And He saw the damnation that their allure and that their power was drawing people into. And so He's responding to these and He's trying to call them in and at the same time trying to warn these leaders of what they're doing. And then He even includes us in here for a second here where He talks of how there is another fold. He's speaking of the Gentiles whom He would be calling very soon and who would get the same benefits that the Jewish people would from His death and resurrection. So it sounds, it sounds so simple on paper because we talk about it all the time. The resurrection, the death on the cross. But it really is mind-blowing when you put the whole picture together. Because we have... A God who has always existed, existed before there was time, existed before there was matter, before there was space, who created everything for us, who's created the large scale, you see the universe, who's created small scale, the atom, the way your eyeball works, that is such an intricacy that nobody could ever create it. Um, And yet, after all of that, he still knows that we're going to fall and He creates a way out for us. Not because He has to, but out of love. That's what the cross shows us. The cross shows us love. And, he, and because of that cross, He gives us a choice. We can live with God eternally or we don't have to. There's no forcing us. You know, the... Uh, I just it's it's hard for me personally to comprehend that God did all that. Um, the things that happened on the cross are just too much. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to think of. Um, like for instance, uh, when we in, when we lived in Arizona, we had a goat, uh, a little sheep, and a goat pen. We had some animals there, and. There was one time where I was walking around back there doing something. I can't remember. Uh, maybe feeding them or whatever. And I, I I tore a ligament in my ankle as I was walking along, and then I face first headed into a pile of, of uh, goat poop, which was which was really nice. But I'm laying on the ground. I'm half blacked out because the pain hurts so bad. I'm trying to crawl back to the house. I got goat poop all over my face, and I'm thinking the reason I'm bringing this up is because that was the most extreme amount of pain that I've ever been in. And that was one of the most humiliating circumstances that I've ever been in. Very personal for me. But on the level of what Christ has done for us, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, the the Creator was put on a cross and rejected by the people who He created. People spit on Him. They tortured Him. And he did all of this willingly, even though he didn't have to. You know, he struggled carrying his cross to Golgotha. Um, experienced all the pain and suffering 
of death on that cross for our eternal benefit. And sometimes we just we read it so quickly that we kind of forget it. It's, it's a commonplace thing for us. But God doesn't lack anything. He did this purely for our benefit. And even while He was on the cross, He asked the Father to forgive people because they didn't know what they were doing. So the cross calls us all to know God and to be known by God. To be known by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. <clears throat> That's why as, a, as an under-shepherd, I guess you would call me, that's why I desperately try to preach the truth of Christ and that you need to not fall for these false doctrines. Uh, they are many. They are everywhere. Uh, they, are, they are in this town. They are in other towns. Uh, you might have known somebody in your family who has fallen for one of these things. But Christ says that He is the only way that we can find salvation. It is only in Him that you're going to find eternal life. It's only in Him that you're going to find a Christian family. <clears throat> and at, at the end of our verses here, we see yet again where John shows us that the idea of Christ once again forces people to either believe it or don't. To either believe it or don't. So I just want to, I want to look back at two... Two verses that we did cover here today, and we'll finish this out. Uh, the two verses are uh, uh, verse 7 and verse 11. So verse 7, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. And in 11, He says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep. Now, for those of you who have not had sheep, uh, which we use too as well, they don't defend themselves. They're not very good with predators. Uh, the same sheep that we had when we were in Peoria, uh, actually it was earlier when my father had some. Uh, we had There's these big canals that run up in Phoenix uh, out from out in the desert, and the coyotes will come up through the canals and they will come into the city, and usually they'll pick off a dog or something. But my dad had, happened to have sheep, and they came in and they just slaughtered everything there. That's that's what they what they do in the sheep. Do they fight back? No. They just they get frozen and they can't do anything. So the fact of the matter is that that sheep don't naturally defend themselves very well. That's why they have to have good shepherds. Now, everybody's at a different step with that, a different level in your Christianity to where maybe you are a little bit of a shepherd. <clears throat> But the reason that I bring this up is because the comparison that Christ is making here, it actually has a real meaning for the Jews who are listening to this. And when we hear it, we don't completely understand it. But if you notice, he basically talks of two pens in this set of verses here. There was the pen that was in the city. And that was the one where there was multiple flocks in there. And then he would say that the shepherd would come up and he would call his sheep by name and they would come out. So there was multiple ones in there. The ones that were his would hear his voice. They would come out of there even though they were mixed with other sheep. So the shepherd comes up. He calls his sheep. They know his voice. But the one in the countryside that they would have is very interesting. So a lot of times in the countryside they would have, and this is for when there was good weather, 
there would be an, a, a pen that was basically a circle or area made of rocks. And, you know, they would stack up rocks high on the wall so the sheep couldn't get out. But there was just an opening. There wasn't a gate. And so what the shepherd would do is he would sleep in the opening once he had brought the sheep in for the night. And so if the predators were going to come in, they had to come over him first. So it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not by chance that Christ is comparing himself as a shepherd because a shepherd is to protect the flock. He is to be the gate to get in and out. Same thing. All of these things Christ says on purpose because they have real meaning to the people who are listening to him here. Uh, Jesus is all of these things in the examples that he has given us. He is the shepherd. He is the gate. All of these things relate directly to him. So, and because of his grace, because of his mercy, uh, we pray to him, we submit to him, we worship him, and I, and I hope we teach all of our children of him. We tell other people about him. Because if we don't have him as a savior, we're all alone. That's fact of the matter there. So he guides us, he speaks to us, he leads us into a safe pen. And He sleeps at the door for us. If we are in Christ, nothing bad can come to us. If we're constantly in His Word, if we're constantly in prayer, how are these false teachers going to actually penetrate into your mind or into your heart? They won't. He will keep the predators from coming in. So, in faith in Him, the door is shut for the robbers and the thieves. Okay? He can shut the door for the for us here. So the parable, it's this parable of the sheep. It's uh, it's very relatable to today. Like I said, we have plenty of religions, faiths, whatever you want to call them, that don't have Christ as a center or who have changed who Christ is. But just, Christ just says, if you stay in His Word, if you stay with Him, He'll be at that door and He'll keep those things away from you. Okay, that's why he is our ultimate salvation. Um, that's uh, I don't know if I feel like I really did those set of verses justice because there's there's a lot that can be said of those. Uh, does anybody have any comments or 